And so uh, this afternoon we continue with uh, more about practice, but very, very interesting to hear from practice on the ground, shall we say. So I'd like to welcome Jeanette, who's been here with us since the conference started, Jeanette Gosney, and her two teams, or two teams from this diocese. We are in the St. Albans Diocese, in case you didn't know, and I didn't. <laughs> but that's where we are, and so two teams here this afternoon from uh, the, the Hartford Hundred and St Mary's Reborn. I'd uh, just like to welcome Redborn. Redborn. Oh, spelling, mista- spelling mistake on there. <laughs> I, I think Reborn sounds much better. bit of background uh, to Jeanette. Uh, She's the parish development officer in St. Albans Diocese and her brief is local ministry. Uh, Her qualifications are that she is a German teacher, very useful, uh, a college lecturer, these are things she has been in her previous lives, uh, a university chaplain and of course a vicar herself. So she knows only too well the issues that are being discussed. And uh, just like to I'll hand over to Jeanette now. Jeanette's going to introduce the two teams when the time arises. Thank you, Jeanette. It's been great being here. Um, I've only been parish development officer for just over a year now, so I came with loads of questions, and it's been fantastic beginning to explore some of the answers. I'm convinced we won't get to the answers. And what I'm hoping to do this afternoon is to give us opportunity to continue conversations, but on the basis of having heard from Redbourne and the Hartford 100 LMT. What I said I'd do to begin with is just a quick, very, very brief PowerPoint. You've got the text in front of you, just to give you a little bit of background about St Albans Diocese in terms of local ministry, and then hand over to them. Um, We'll then have opportunity for questions and and so on for the second part of this afternoon's session. So, Diocese St Albans has a local ministry scheme. It's called Growing Together with Christ. And it's a scheme that, like many dioceses, that started a long time ago. The year 2000 was when the first scheme got approved by Diocesan Synod. Um, Some of you might remember, if you've been coming for a long time, Robin Brown, who used to come to these gatherings. And he was actually the first local ministry officer. That was his title. It was a full-time post. Um, And his his brief was to develop the local ministry scheme. Um, The scheme, as we've already heard in other dioceses, ours too was revised. There were all sorts of issues about too complicated to become a team, too much training, unclear, um, lots of issues. I won't go into them now. But it was also because Mission Shaped Church was around and how could we change local ministry teams so that they could be a bit more mission-focused as opposed to ministry-focused. And the diocese had one of its many initiatives. Dioceses are good at initiatives. And ours was called Vision for Action. And that, again, said, how can we, as a diocese, encourage mission as well as ministry? 
Again, I won't go into the details of it. We now have a new bishop and a new initiative, so it's a thing of the past. But um, <laughs> 2005, it was all new, and we revised the local ministry scheme. Not too radically, but it was changed. The kind of purpose, what it says in the handbooks, and what therefore I'm still working with, is as it said here. These are quotes direct out of the, the local ministry scheme as it was approved by diocesan synod. So it was to offer a variety of opportunities for parishes, clusters of parishes, team ministries, deaneries, ecumenical groups to explore ways of working together. So it was trying to be all-encompassing. Local ministry was all things to all people. St Albans Diocese is a mixture of very rural, not perhaps quite as rural as some of the northern dioceses, but nevertheless, Bedfordshire, a lot of Bedfordshire is very rural, Hertfordshire, much of this part of Hertfordshire is very rural, we have some larger towns, most of which many of you won't have heard of because they're not hugely large. I mean, Bishop Stortford, Stevenage, there's obviously Bedford. We've got Luton, which is the biggest kind of multicultural centre. We've obviously got St Albans. But it's fairly small market town and villages overall with one or two pockets of city urban. We also go to the other side of the M25, Barnet, Rickensworth, um, Watford, that sort of area. So it's a big diocese, very diverse, lots of team ministries, but also lots of single parishes, clusters of parishes, informal groups. And when the scheme was set up, it was designed to try and include everyone in local ministry. And its purpose was to provide resources, support and oversight of training. Training is one of the key things that it was focused on. So it became, in essence, and this is very much condensed, but in the minds of parishes and local clergy, the St Albans Local Ministry Scheme became synonymous with local ministry teams. So if you weren't a local ministry team, you didn't really fit. So we had LMTs. LMTs... It was also, there was also um, a one-year adult Christian learning course, quote, Growing Together in Christ, which initially was 24 sessions, including workshops on Saturdays, including essays and various other things. That was part of the pairing down when we revised it in 2005. And then there were a few other training modules that people could access if they wished. There hasn't been a huge uptake, such as the two I've mentioned there, bereavement and pastoral care. So that became, in people's minds, what local ministry was about. Those three things, largely. LMTs, just to give you a bit more detail about what an LMT was set up to be, they were the formerly mandated teams, mandated for between three and six years, the licensed ministers in any parish or benefice were part of them automatically. So your any clergy, readers, automatically, and then there was a discernment process for who the other members should be. The sizes vary from kind of four or five members up to 12, 13, 14 members. So a huge range of size. Training 
all members were expected to do the Growing Together in Christ course. If they didn't complete or came on as late latecomers, they became associate members, not members. There were team building skills that had to be, team building kind of two or three sessions that had to be done before mandate, and then encouragement to specific skills. So if they were going to be bereavement visitors, then the bereavement skills. All this was largely before they were mandated. So fairly top-heavy, or front-heavy. All local ministry teams have the support of a consultant who's got some sort of training in facilitation and teamwork and so on. Um, and that's ongoing support provided by the diocese. And there's an annual consultation day for local ministry teams. That very roughly is the support that they get. So where are we now? We have, after what is best part of 12 years, and I say only 10 local ministry teams, but I think that's significant. Why have we only got 10? We've got over 300 parishes. Some are single parish ones, and Redbourne is one of those that we'll hear from shortly. Some are rural, large village, village suburban parishes, single parishes. Some are multi-parish, and the Hartford 100 team that we'll hear from are a multi-parish benefice in a rural context, and they'll tell you more about that. And we've got one newly mandated local ministry team that is actually a single parish but has four districts, four churches. So they're working out how that can work. But significantly, we've got two that haven't mandated again. One or two have remandated and are on their second <coughs> period of mandating, but two have chosen not to. One, in essence, said to me, we don't need it, we've outgrown a local ministry team, we don't need it anymore, so we don't want to remandate. The other was an ecumenical local ministry team, and they saw that as the means of bringing them together prior to becoming, to an, L becoming an LEP. So last October they ceased to be an LMT and became an LEP. And the ecumenical nature meant that they, would, they were happier under a Churches Together umbrella rather than the Anglican Diocesan Church of England umbrella. So that was their thinking behind that. So that's a very brief introduction you might want to come back to me, on the history and where we are now in the diocese. Lots of questions. There are questions on the back of your sheet, which we'll come to later. And apologies now that there are two number fours. Some, you know, counting well. But before we get onto those, and they raise some of the issues that are current for me and the diocese, I want to introduce the two teams, and they're going to talk for 20 minutes or so each, and just tell you a little bit about how an LMT works for them. I don't actually know exactly what they're going to say, so I should be interested. Um, and then we'll have opportunity to discuss briefly, and, and some of them are very happy to stay afterwards, and we can have, have ask questions together to pick up some of the things that they've... Um, commented on or questions you want to ask of them. So I'm going to invite the Hartford 100. I don't know how many of the team are here. Is it two, three? Three? Excellent. Pauline is the team rector. And I'll leave, leave you to introduce yourselves as you wish. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
I'm Pauline Hyam and I'm Rector of the Hartford 100 Group, which is a multi-parish benefice. We're all delighted to be here this afternoon and uh, to see uh, so many of you. So um, thank you very much for inviting us and thank you, Jeanette, for um, inviting us too. <laughs> there is a handout for some of the things that I'm going to say, but um, I thought perhaps it would be good to share with you first. And then Linda's going to say a few words and then Rod. Our team actually is made up of, up of about 18 members, which are full members and associate members, but you will hear a little bit more from Rod later how the team works and, uh, and one or two of the joys and difficulties that we've had, so I'll leave that to him. So we're a multi-parish benefice, southwest of Hoddesdon. We've been described with a formula, so I'll give you the formula quickly. Six burying churchyards, five churches, four parishes with four PCCs, three VC church schools, two clergy, that's me, and one self-supporting minister who has a deanery-wide listening ministry and sadly, because of illness, um, tends to devote her complete time more now to that. Uh, one reader and one local ministry team and a partridge in a pear tree. You've got the, the idea. About 3,500 people living in about 21 square miles of rural Hertfordshire. And yet we're 22 miles as the crow flies from Charing Cross. And we have one station which goes to Moorgate. Our um, LMT was mandated first of all in 2004 for six years. And we've been remandated in January 2011 for five years. We have a team consultant, as Jeanette mentioned, John Wallace. Um, we meet with him once a year for a review, which is usually very helpful indeed. And we could ask him to come at other times if we needed to as well, and occasionally we have. Way, way back in the dim distant time when uh, we lived in Norfolk, rural Norfolk in the Fens, there was an expression that was said, we've seen them come, we've seen them go, and we ride them out, meaning vicars. So I thought that became very etched into my mind, and I started to think about what they were really saying in that expression, which is a good one. And basically, I felt very much that actually the ministry, God's ministry, continues long after a vicar has gone or whatever. And it's God's ministry that's important, much bigger than one person. No one person has all the gifts, but a team has a variety of gifts that they can share and offer. And we can use those gifts collaboratively and we can bounce ideas off each other, we can pray, we can share the joys and the difficulties as well. And yet somehow we wanted to be able to explore together being able to cover a variety of ministries that would help our group. So this is what we've done. Initially I have to say that one of the difficulties for us was discerning who should be asked to be a member of our LMT because we thought about it and prayed about it, but actually, in a sense, it started life much more as a sort of a volunteering, and that's not the best way to deal with things in many ways. So we actually um, learned by our mistakes, 
and in fact it enabled some people to say well actually I don't think that's quite the ministry for me perhaps I can try something else and to give an opportunity to move sideways or to step back from something was an important part of our journey. Now we tend to think much more with our PCCs and, uh, and others as well about discerning um, who might have particular gifts or talents that we can see and um, might want to use those within a team. But again, we need to be very careful because the last thing anyone would want is an us and them type syndrome. And so it's important to be very transparent in what we're trying to do and actually to enable people to see that, you know, there are people with particular gifts at getting alongside others in particular situations and they might be uh, people who would like to be part of the LMT setup. But I have to confess that it was a bit difficult at times. And now we make sure that our LMT news is on our PCC agendas for our meetings. We also are trying to bring about reports in our magazine and on our website as well, so that not to um, you know, uh, display everything, but obviously to at least show people that we have got an LMT. I have to say for a while, we also had to fight the Vickers Little Helper Syndrome, um, which you know, um, has taken a while. But now people are aware that they have gifts and they can use those gifts for God and in service to the community. So that's been a great help. As Jeanette has mentioned, our, initially our potential members attended the Growing Together in Christ course and some of them found that quite heavy going and it needed to be pruned and um, with Robin Brown's guidance we did manage to prune some of it and later I was helping with some of the training on the, uh, some of the Growing Together in Christ courses later. But we did prune some of it and some people were certificated. The associate members were those who obviously, for various reasons, couldn't complete the course but obviously had gifts um, which needed to be used. And sometimes too, some other associate members, and I think Linda will say a bit more about that, um, were people who'd already got some training and actually, you know, they, they really needed to get on and use that training um, in different ways. Our bereavement visitors um, have additional training. We go along to something called the Bereavement and Loss Training and Support um, groups, which are based at Pinner in our case, and we attend a conference once a year usually. The marriage preparation people um, have worked using some, and I say some, of Nikki and Scylla Lee's marriage course um, from Holy Trinity Brompton, together with other things. Um, we try to meet as a team about every six weeks, but again, sometimes that's not over-successful. We can't always get everybody together. And we have a working supper, and then we go through particular training needs, and we share ideas. The bereavement visitors particularly meet together about every four or five weeks because the support is needed and so on, and we need to, to think about that. Um, and uh, my associate priest colleague um, led us in um, some extra training about uh, when people um, perhaps are, are becoming 
clinically depressed in that situation, for instance, because her background was as a GP, so that was very helpful to us. Sometimes we attend um, spirituality days at St Albans or learning days. Uh, it depends what's on offer. And we usually try as much as we can to get to our diocesan local ministry conference because we find that a great time of sharing together. The gifts that we share um, basically are prayer ministry, Sunday clubs, tiny tots group, holiday clubs, bereavement visitors, pastoral visiting, home communion uh, taken out by people, alongside others, um, intercessions and reading, lesson reading, worship planning, and some of our, uh, one of our local ministry team members together with others led a Christmas Day family service this year, and that was well supported. Um, Back to Church Sunday gives a lot of opportunity for such things. Um, Open Church Sunday, which is coming in this diocese, I don't know whether it's all over the place, but we've got an Open Church Sunday on in June, and uh, we're beginning to explore church tourism um, with a view to opening up our group. We've still got a lot of things that we would love to develop. For instance, the school's work team. Usually it's just me and sometimes Rod and one or two others that might go, but um, the schools really do... Um, like input and so at the moment that's an area we would really like to develop the baptism preparation we began quite well and then it fell off um, in terms of the local ministry team and we'd like to develop that more um, more worship planning especially family services and we'd like to think too and are challenged by the bishop's latest, latest initi initiative living God's love to think about growing the team. How are we going to grow the team? And if we grow the team, how is it going to work? How is it going to work? How are we going to organise things? Because if we can't get some people along to some things now, how are we going to work if more people join the team and so on? And actually Will and I have had a very helpful discussion while we were waiting to come in here about maybe clustering things, but that's another thing to think about. And one of the big things that we hope and pray is that the local ministry team members will become trainers for others, enablers for others. That's the big thing that we're hoping and is beginning to happen slowly but surely. Enough from me except to say that any of you that take Country Way, um, this um, magazine for rural ministry, there's a brilliant article in there about local ministry. I've done a, a, a two or three copies which I'll leave for you as well. I'm going to hand over to Linda. Thanks, Linda. Hello. I'm Linda and I joined the team in 2006 as an associate member and I have found the, the local ministry team a place to gain confidence in my ministry and a safe zone to try out new things. I completed a theology course and uh, Pauline said that I couldn't do too much until I'd finished that. So when I'd finished that, I was good to go. And then I was allowed to lead Bible study groups, um, morning prayer, and the prayer group. Now, the previous prayer group had been experiencing a few problems. We won't go into that, but I'm sure you know what I mean. And um, I decided to try a new approach. So prayer share was born. Prayer share we meet for once a month, for half an hour, 
and we bring our favourite prayer, one we've written or one from a book. And it's been a great success. It was a bit slow to start, but um, our age range is two, two years to 82 years. And our numbers range from three people to eight. So I think that's quite good, don't you? And a monthly prayer goes into the church magazine for the prayer partners who can't make it to the meeting. So all angles covered, no excuse. And last year was a very important year for me personally, but for the team. We were man- mandated for the second time. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And um, I also was exploring uh, reader training, to, um, training possibly to be a reader. At work, I joined the chaplaincy team because basically I thought, well, if I want to be a reader, then chaplaincy work is something that I will need to do. And I thought I couldn't do it, so I thought the best thing to do is go in with both feet, have a go. And that's what I did. And I absolutely love it. And, and I've taken some of my experiences to the local ministry team uh, meetings that we have every six weeks. And um, I'm hoping to, as Pauline said, to train other people to maybe talk about um, what it's like and what you should do when you visit people in hospital, you know, because there's some things that we could kind of do and you think that would be really helpful, but actually it's not helpful at all. So I've learned a lot through that and hope to um, empower other people. And um, so last year was spent preparing for the, my readership. I talked to the appointed people that you have to talk to and um, gathered references. And then I went for my selection day, which I actually think should be called Grill a Christian. Because <laughs> that was just what it was like. And um, however, the bishop um, decided that he would let me train, so I had been selected. So, yes. And um, so this year, uh, and two of the people in the local ministry team were my referees. So, you know, they actually knew what I was like, so, and they still did a reference. Although one of them says, I did a really bad reference for you, and you still got in. We have this kind of continuing joke between each other, so that's good. And I found that being in the local ministry team um, has been an area where you can try things out. Because you're in a kind of a safe zone, so if you want to try out ideas, that's quite a good place, good place to do it. And, um, and the local ministry team will be very much part of my training and my continuing story of God's leading in my life. So, over to Rod. Hi. Uh, I should, if I'm too loud on this, tell me. Because I do have this propensity for being very loud on microphones. So somebody wave at me if it's too loud. Also, if you can't hear at the back, I can shout louder. So just, uh, I, I'm a reader, as Pauline said. I'm also a husband, which she didn't tell you. Uh, but the two are not exclusive. You don't have to be both. As I try to point out to people, that they can be a reader without being married to the rector. But some don't seem to take that on board. Um, so for many years, my role on the local ministry team was one of a worship leader really, because I was teaching full time and pastoral things just weren't going to happen because I couldn't guarantee to give the commitment and be able to keep it up which is the most important thing about pastoral work, it's nobody just going in like the 
some sort of being dropped in like some SAS bloke and then dashing off and leaving them to flounder. You've got to be there for them for the long run, which I couldn't guarantee being. So that was one of the things. Now I've retired, I can do that more than I did, which again, hopefully, is very useful, A, to the team and B, to the people that I go and see. And we've not yet had anybody that said, for goodness sake, don't send him again. But they'll come, I'm sure. So, which is great from my point of view, in that it's another ministry that I can hopefully exercise and continue to exercise, which I haven't been able to do when I was at school. I did use the, the reader type things and ministry things at school because I was a pastoral head, so I had responsibility for 180 whatever age group they were in a secondary school in years um, which meant assembly taking and all the usual sort of things and phoning parents and sorting out you know when there were all sorts of dreadful things happening or not and phoning for the joyful things which is also good and I think as sometimes in local ministry teams we're all great at looking at the downsides and we forget to look at the upsides and local ministry team meetings can be ones of oh you know Whereas there are great and joyous things as well, and we forget to say those sometimes, which I think is a great tragedy. We do find teamwork. I think teamwork is a huge, huge challenge that we don't acknowledge enough. We think that it, oh yeah, it's a team, oh yeah, that work. And Linda and I were talking about this on Thursday, about coming here and what we're going to say, and one of the things that we sort of came up with, that actually our local ministry team, it's not like a football team or a cricket team, it's more like a sports club where there are other teams within the club. And the people who play cricket can't really see any point in going along to the rugby training. And that's where we come up to in our local ministry team when it comes to training sessions, which we find very frustrating. Because the bereavement visitors, some of them, not all of them, some, perhaps think, well, I don't need to go to the team meeting because I don't really want to know what the Sunday club are doing. And the Sunday club train people in that then think, well, I don't really need to go because I'm not too concerned about what they're doing in marriage preparation. And do you get the point that if we're not careful, we can be these sort of blocks of teams within teams. And trying to get everybody together is quite difficult. And it doesn't happen. We get some. You can more or less sit at home and count on the fingers of two hands the ones who will be at the team meeting on whatever evening it is. And you more or less know who they're going to be. And if somebody else comes, you rejoice greatly. But you can't guarantee it. And it doesn't seem to matter how we sort of try, because they're all volunteers, so you can't ring them up and put pressure on them. But it just somehow, we've got to get that sort of spark that thinks, yes, I can actually contribute something to this training session, which everybody will be able to. I think that's one of the great things that we're learning and trying to get over is this all-member ministry idea that as baptised Christians we all have a ministry but we don't all acknowledge it and that's the problem is trying to get the acknowledgement over I think and so we do have I had one head who said that we didn't have problems in school we had challenges and that's what we have. We have some challenges that we've got to try and get through and get over. And that's one of them. Getting it over to people in the pew that we're not the vicar's little helpers. Well, to some extent I am anyway, but that's a different, that's a different role. Um, we're not the vicar's little helpers. We're there as Christians with a ministry. And that's what's often so difficult to get over. And that's what I think we've all got to work towards. Communication is not easy because we don't want to put trumpet blowing in the church magazine every month. We find the report that our enabler 
who comes in to, to look at as John sends to us, very useful to put in because it focuses what's happening in the team and it's not that long, it's probably just covers a side or two sides of the parish magazine and it does, bring, it does highlight things. The PCC reports, some of the, of the local ministry team are really good at reporting, others are, well I've not done anything and we've all got these people around and then you're having to sort of say, well wasn't there such a, oh yeah there was and Muslims, oh yeah, I've forgotten that. And you've got to try and get this over. And I think that's the big part of it, really. That we need to work along people, alongside people, to encourage others to come and want to learn what we're doing and try to share it and get it going a bit further. It's the old chorus, love is something if you give it away. You know, you keep on having more. Um, and we are mandated as a team, and I think that's important. Because as Pauline said, vicars come, vicars go, we just ride them out. But we want the team to carry on. We don't want it to be something that, that Pauline Hyam, when she was rector, had. And when she's gone, somebody, mis somebody else comes in and takes over and sweeps all that out. Unless there's good reason for sweeping it out. And so the mandating, I think, is important because it does give to everyone, A, that they are under authority, and B, a bit of authority, be able to say, well, actually, I am on the local ministry team, and the bishop has approved it. It's not something we've invented in the Hartford 100 group just because we've invented it. It's something that actually is approved in our diocese and nationwide. And so that's a sort of brief look at, at where we are. Pauline's paper that she's written, um, which we'll give out to you when we, we've all finished, when Redbourne finished as well, we can look at that and we are quite prepared to take questions and discuss further if necessary. Thank you. Fantastic, eh? That's mm. really, really appreciate that. Thank you to all of you. We're going to listen to a very different team now. Equally exciting, I think, but very different. Not rural and Colton Cobbley and all, but um, they will tell you, I'm not going to say any more, but this is Redbourne, single parish, and over to Redbourne. Thank you. It's 9.30am on a typical weekday morning in the life of the parish of St Mary's Redbourne. The Reverend Will Gibbs prepares to take morning prayer, but he is not alone. The local ministry team of St Mary's are working together with him. Our reading this morning comes from chapter 12 of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, beginning at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in every one. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by the one and same Spirit, 
who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. To one is given through the Spirit the ability to enthuse and organise, and to another the gift to create PowerPoint presentations, <laughs> to another sympathy and compassion by the same Spirit, to another gifts of vision and insight by the one Spirit, to another the working of liturgy and worship, to another the grasp of economics and good, fellowship, uh, good stewardship. The, to another, ways, ways of, of helping those who are preparing for weddings or baptism. To another, the sensitivity to share Christ's body and blood with the lonely and marginalised. Indeed, the body does not consist of one many, member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? If one of the congregation were to say, because I cannot sing very well, I am not part of the body, that would not make him any less a part of the body. And if another were to say, Because I can't download a worship podcast, I am not part of the body. That would not make her any less a part of the body. If the whole body could only preach impressively, then where would the pastoral care be? If the whole body could only emphasise, who would be planning the Lent lunches? As, As it is, there are many members... Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. As morning prayer comes to an end, join me in a life in the day of LMT Redbourne. Leaving the 900-year-old church, we move across the common of this village of some 5,000 people and enter the rebuilt, or possibly reborn, cricket pavilion. (laughs) From... 9.30 to 12 o'clock every weekday, the Cricket Pavilion is host to Coffee on the Common. Now I'd like to introduce you to Sue May, who has uh, been involved in this initiative. Sue, tell us all about Coffee on the Common. Well David, Coffee on the Common is something that I've always wanted to do. When When I had my children and they were small, the church I attended had a coffee shop. And all those years ago, I think it was quite an unusual thing at the time. And it's something that I've always wanted to do because it gave me so much support when my family was small. And being at St Mary's was a, was a challenge in that regard because our church is on the very edge of the village. So when the cricket pavilion was rebuilt, it gave us the perfect opportunity to launch coffee on the common. And you started it, but I guess you found a lot of people to help you. We've got an incredibly large team of helpers who get an awful lot about uh, an awful lot out of being offered being able to offer fellowship to the people who come to take coffee on the common with us and our customers range from zero all the way up to 
well past their 80s. So like your original vision, when you in fact had young children, you're now finding parents of young children coming to Coffee on the Common? Very much so, yes. Sue, thank you very much. Well, I was very, very much impressed with Coffee on the Common. Press on all sides to have cakes and coffees. And as I was uh, eating and drinking, so I noticed that there were actually other members of LMP in uh, enjoying the coffee too. Um, I spotted David Forbes. I spotted Barbara Corbett and indeed our vicar. And Barbara and Will are involved in preparation for baptism, uh, people who are coming to baptism. David and Will for marriage preparation. So I thought I'd get this opportunity to, to ask um, Barbara, because I hear last Sunday you had a baptism. How yes, did it go? Yes, we did. We had two families, David, and it was really very nice because both families had managed to come to baptism preparation together, so they already knew each other. And tell us what sort of things happen in these preparations. Well, we do start the, we start the session in church where we'll... Um, Meets, we all meet the families and we'll take them through the various aspects of baptism the oil, the water and the light and at the same time we walk around the church to the various places where the families are able to familiarise themselves with the service and feel more comfortable and also to get to know one another and we then move into the, into the church hall where we have coffee and there myself and some of my team can help by talking to the various families. We also um, sorry, can talk about what other things we can offer in the church. Like we talk about junior church and the other areas that we uh, children can come to in the church. So, in fact, so you're telling there is life after baptism? Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, Absolutely. Have you found then since these preparation classes and in fact you are getting families coming into church well yes because as you know we had our baps renewal of baptism service last week and we actually had 50 children in the church so it's a wonderful wonderful good news Barbara thank you I'd like to bring David now perhaps David you come along to the microphone here I'll spend the other side um, tell us a little bit about um, the wedding preparations well David uh, Will decided that in fact it was a good idea to know that people other than the vicar were involved in marriage preparations so uh, on a day that's suitable for about four couples uh, we get four couples together in the church hall give them some wine and nibbles which is always welcome for them and uh, we take them through things such as Will's already been through the service but we take them through questions such as why are you getting married now why in church why in this particular church why at this time and how important it is to you um, and we have been very uh, taken by the way that the couples interact with each other. Uh, the reason I'm involved in marriage preparation probably is because I'm a trustee of Relate, so we do stress that part and make it clear that of course uh, marriage isn't always a bed of roses and that there can be problems later on but there are organisations that can help. Uh, and we're also going to produce a booklet now that will enable the couples to understand um, how marriage works in the future. Good. David, thank you very much. I eventually did drag myself away from the banana cake and um, took myself away from the pavilion down to the high street in Redbourne, a high street full of um, busy shops and offices, and among which there is New Forge Place. Now this is a collection of privately owned flats but has a residential warden and indeed a large community area. And as I arrived there, a uh, home communion service was just finishing and I managed to collar uh, Doris Cheatham because I wanted to know very much about these um, Holy Communion services outside of church. Perhaps you can tell us, are there others around the village, Doris? Yes. <clears throat> Sorry. Yes, we, have, um, we hold a communion service once a month in sheltered housing, 
and in the care home, um, and in the care home, it's increased from about six up to 20 residents that will come and, and uh, have communion with us. And I also go into the homes of the sick and uh, or whoever is housebound and wishes to have a communion at home. And you, I think, have a team, and does the vicar join you in these things? I have three others in my team, and will, our vicar will, in, will come and do the communions whenever possible, but if he's not available, then I will do it, or somebody else, and take intinctured hosts into the home, and we have a little service. Excellent, Doris. Now, thank you. Now, I understand also that you are involved in the um, in pastoral ministry within the LMT, um, and I understand you're going off to see someone now. Yes, I'm going to, uh, to visit Joan, who I've been visiting for about two weeks, and she's on her own with not much family support around, and I know she's getting meals on wheels, but I'm anxious to find out what other support from friends and neighbours she's getting. Also, I'd like to find out what the church can assist with, and also if she would like a visit from the vicar. Mm. And are there many like Joan whom you visit? There are quite a few like Joan, and it's a real privilege to be able to go in and take the news sheet from the church of what's been happening in the church or the magazine, and to be able to share it with them. And if they wish to have a prayer, then I always ask first, and then we say a prayer. Thank you. Doris, thank you very much. Thank you. A very interesting recent development, perhaps I can bring Penny along to the microphone here, is um, the formation, the vision of small groups, groups meeting in houses and other places. And Penny has been very much involved in this, and you'd like to tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's been said already that the LMT is for challenges for us, and this was a huge challenge um, to start small groups in a church where there were two small groups, but it wasn't an accepted part of the culture. And with our vicar Will's encouragement and vision, we began this risky small group journey in the summer term of 2011. And prior to those groups, we'd run um, two four-week series of discussion groups in the pub over meals about the big questions like, um, you know, what about suffering? So meant to appeal to the whole community and those who perhaps don't come to church but want a, a venue for discussing big questions. And then, first of all, there were three of us and we took the plunge and decided on what evenings we'd offer, how often we'd meet, we decide every other week, and produce flyers and posters and advertised. So the good news is that we had four groups come out of that. I would say half of the people who went to the, search, to the searchlight suppers in the pub are part of the groups. And we must have at least 30 people involved. We've got a morning group, um, three evening groups. Um, and we started, we tried to use community buildings. So we, had, we used a community hall in, in a school and we also met in the upper room in the, in the village pub. And we started out with 16 there. So I can say that since last summer, the groups have evolved, and the numbers are growing, and they're having to decide to split and make their own decisions about how they grow. But the challenge was what material to use, and that was very difficult. So 
uh, we chose something that was pretty easily accessible and easy for others to facilitate. Um, the good news is that we now have a team of eight facilitators. And so I suppose this is what small groups are about. First of all, they give the opportunity for us to discuss our journey, our faith journey, which isn't always what we do over coffee after the morning service. And we're there to support one another and um, be inclusive of others. So the other challenge is inviting others to come along. And let's hope we keep multiplying our facilitators because each group will give the opportunity to those in the groups to become facilitators. So we hope our groups will multiply. Penny, thank you so much. A very inspiring uh, story there. Thank you. Many of you, I think, will be familiar with stewardship um, campaigns. Indeed, our own parishes and areas of our stewardship campaigns for many years. An interesting fact is that the chair of stewardship now is also a member of our local ministry team. And I'm very interested to know um, from Mike Wood, who is the chair, why he sees the encouragement of the use of time, talents and treasures as to be something which he can then integrate into uh, the local ministry. Mike is uh, living outside of Redbourne in Hemel Hempstead and also is a bit of a globetrotter as far as his work is concerned. So we have, I think, managed to book in a call. Uh, and uh, yes, no, I do believe that actually Mike is with us. So Mike, hello. Hello, David. So can you hear me? Hello, yes, How I can hear you. Spain? <laughs> Very good. Yes, thank you. Now, Mike, um, you can't see them, but we're surrounded by people. <laughs> Yeah? We're all fascinated by local ministry, and uh, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about certainly stewardship and how that then works with you being part of the LMT group. Yes, the stewardship committee has been a big part of our church for over 50 years, and I see its role as very much supporting the activities that make the church function effectively. Uh, we encourage people to share their considerable talents and valuable time through providing information on those activities. We hold an activity leaders evening uh, to discuss the successes between ourselves and the potential gaps to help us plan the recruitment uh, and put out a situations vacant sheet. A church information book describes all that goes on in the church with photos to, to make the leaders more accessible uh, to people who want to get involved. The treasury side is always the hardest to cover. We have over 150 people on our planned giving scheme and have increased giving by 30% over the past six years, but this is only just keeping pace with the costs. So communication here is the key. We need the congregation to understand where the money goes without turning them off coming to church. A mixture of talks as part of the service and colourful leaflets help us to get that message out. Our planned giving officer also communicates confidentially with those on the scheme to encourage them to review giving and to pick up potential new recruits. Hello Mike, yes I think you're breaking up a little here, but um, <laughs> can I just put in a final question that um, how you see your role in the LMT as being significant to your stewardship role? It is. I mean good stewardship can make a real difference to, to the church and working as part of the local ministry team means that we, we get the right focus for our efforts and the right priorities so we ensure we get everything moving in the right direction. Mike, Mike, thank you very much on behalf of all of us here. Thank you for being able to join us on this uh, very thank wonderful you. afternoon. Thank you, thank you. Good, I think we need to accelerate a little forward in our day, in our life in the day of um, LMT Red Bull. We're now um, four o'clock and it's uh, Sunday, the third Sunday of the month. 
and we're at Redbourne Junior School, and we have an all-age worship. Uh, this is held every month. Um, I myself, actually, I'm involved, as is uh, Will and Sue and David, and I'd like to bring them forward and just talk a little bit about uh, all-age worship in the junior school, Sue. Basically, for me, it offers a great opportunity for us to engage with families in a non-threatening environment. Often families find it a great challenge to step over the threshold of what in our case is a, a very ancient, quite um, inspiring building. But it is for some people a threatening environment. But in the school it's an opportunity to, to engage with people in an environment with which they are very familiar. So thank you. Perhaps Will, could you put it in context really how it started? Yeah, when I... Um was uh, applying for the job, the vacancy at Redbourne, part of the parish profile was flagging up that there were certain parts of the uh, village of Redbourne that the church wasn't really uh, connecting with very well, certain sort of roads where there weren't members of the congregation and so on. So this is an opportunity for us to take worship to a different part of the uh, village and it's, uh, it's really paid dividends. Um, it's wonderful. It's also strengthened our relationship with the junior, uh, junior school. It's not a church school, but we're made to feel very welcome there, and it's really fostered that relationship very well. It's also um, a school hall, so it's a blank canvas, and it means it's a very flexible space to worship in compared to a 900-year-old church with pews. Thank you. And, and Dave, I'll bring that up, David. Uh, having trained as a lawyer, frankly, I would be happy to stand in front of a magistrate, in front of a county court judge, put me in that school, and I'm scared witless. <laughs> Actually, it's been brilliant, and I've really grown and understood how to use a service like that. So it's brilliant. It's also very good that we can use the staff room for refreshments afterwards and seamlessly carry on conversations taking place in the actual service itself. So that's great. David, thank you, David, Will, and Sue. Thank you very much. It's been fascinating for me, I think, as a comparative outsider, to actually see what is happening in Redbourne. And um, it strikes me that, as people have mentioned, it's part of responding to God's call of bringing his kingdom into our community is taking risks and actually leaving the familiar. And I think many of the initiatives here in Redbourne, we've taken worship out into schools, uh, we've taken discussion groups into upper rooms and pubs, we've been with the vulnerable, we've affirmed the marginal, we've had conversations in public events in, in places around the village and that, that is all part I think of taking risks, of stepping out in faith often these don't turn out the way we expected, there are challenges and we don't always succeed but again I think that's part of what happens when we risk our gifts for God that then our gifts are refined and developed we'll now lead you Almost the close of the day, we're at an even, even song in Lent, and the local ministry team over the past few years have been encouraged to use the Lenten even songs as an opportunity to reflect on their own responses to art, to music, to poetry, to perhaps people who've inspired them on their particular faith journey. And again, this has been something of, of a risk-taking, stepping out in faith exercise. Um, I'll ask uh, Sue and Will and um, David. David to just elaborate a little bit on that. Sue. Yes, this was an initiative that certainly took me personally way outside my comfort zone. But also, to me, it's been key to our role in local ministry. 
because it's been a great opportunity to show others what they might be able to do. If I can do it, you can do it. Yes, I couldn't agree more on that. Uh, I was uh, asked to give a talk on the particular um, picture of painting. Uh, if I tell you, my art mistress at school said, never mind, he's got his music. It gives you an idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was marvellous. It was also very good to actually bring, uh, personally, my own faith forward, and as Sue says, to encourage others to bring uh, their faith forward. So, Having the involvement of the local ministry team in uh, our Lent program has been really enriching. Uh, we try and keep a very strong Lent. We have six or seven different uh, things on offer in different days, different times, different themes and so on. There's no way we could offer that without the um, key involvement of the local ministry team. But also in their involvement, it's raising the profile in a very visible way of our local ministry team. They're there, they're helping to... Um, uh, encourage people to reflect on their faith uh, uh, during the services as well. Well, thank you. All the activities we've heard about have been involved with the groups or individuals from LMT in their various ministries in their book. But an essential aspect of LMT is also sharing together about these ministries. To that end, the local ministry team in Redbourne meet together once a month, usually on a Thursday evening, first Thursday of the month, for an evening meal. It's a great opportunity to catch up with what each is doing, to exchange insights that have been revealed, to share challenges that have been experienced, and to plan for future events and initiatives. It's also a lovely social occasion. As a vicar of St Mary's and a member of local ministry team in Redbourne, Will is ideally placed to reflect on what local ministry means to the parish priest. I spoke about the vacancy. I've been the vicar at St Mary's for five and a half years now. And in the parish profile and the um, pack that was put together during the vacancy, the presence of a local ministry team was um, very much at the forefront. It was made very clear that this was um, now an established part of the ministry being offered in Redbourne. Whoever was appointed to St Mary's would not only need to accept, but actually rejoice in the presence of that local ministry team to work as, a, as a, an equal member alongside the others in, in the ministry. I think too often local ministry can be seen in a rather pragmatic way. It's like, this is helping the vicar so he's not quite so tired or overworked. I'd like to see it in a much more creative um, and strong way, that actually... Uh, often the vicar doesn't have the gifts um, to do some of the things you've heard about today and um, we wouldn't have been able to do half of what you've um, had presented to you uh, if it hadn't been for the gifts and the skills um, alongside me here and from others that they've managed to draw in and share that work with. That the, uh, the team has evolved and now each member of the local ministry team heads up an area of work or ministry and then they're encouraged to, um, to blur the interface between uh, the local ministry team and other members of the congregation and community so that they'll start to build a team around them that uh, work in that particular area. It's been a huge privilege, it's been a wonderful journey and it's continuing to uh, evolve and there's been a real sense of growth, not, not just in terms of the growth in the size of the team not just in the sense of the uh, growth of the uh, areas that we're able to offer in ministry, but also the sense that all of us have grown in our own um, discipleship and our own faith as we've wrestled with these things and explored um, how best God might use us in these particular ways.
conversations over the table at an LMT monthly meal ranges over many areas. A typical exchange might be as follows. One of the people that I have been visiting over the past week or two is very worried about her daughter. She is concerned that she might be suffering from some sort of eating disorder. Of course, all of this must be treated in confidence. But I wondered whether there was anyone in the congregation who either has experience in this area or might have, a, have professional expertise regarding anorexia. I can't think of anyone at the moment, Doris, who could offer that sort of help. It's certainly a pastoral concern that we ought to be able to respond to. We must look for someone with those gifts. There will be someone out there. Let's try together to find that person and get them involved. So the LMT story continues. Thank you, Redbourne, again. As I said, totally different, but another fantastic team. At least, I'm a bit biased. It's in St Albans Diocese, but um, thank you to both teams. I'm aware we've done a lot of listening. I wonder if it would be helpful if we spent about ten minutes, just in twos and threes, on, on our tables where you can turn around and talk to someone on a different table. be really radical. Um, just in twos and threes, you've got handouts from both teams, you've got the questions on the back of the original sheet, but, and then I'll invite team members back here just to come back with impressions, questions of, of any nature to them. We'll have about 15 minutes then, so we maybe won't have a lot of time, but whatever comments are, are there for you that you want to pick up from the sheets from their presentations about local ministry on the ground. So, seven, eight minutes in twos and threes, and then I'll call us back together again. I'll ignore it for now. Never mind. Um, lots of discussion. I don't quite know where to start, but some of Hartford 100 and some of Redbourne are happy to come out and be asked questions. So I'm happy to kind of chair any questions. Does anyone have any questions, comments, ideas, inspiration, or anything they want to kick us off with? This is a kind of 15-minute free-for-all. I'd like to ask a question of both teams, actually, because somebody mentioned something about a safe Space. Safe space. And other people mentioned about stepping out of their comfort zone. So I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about how, you know, where that safety comes from. How do you, what do you lean on and what do you hide behind when you, when you step out in the So the safety of, of, of being in an LMT and, and, and to give you the courage to take the risk, sort of. What makes it safe? What makes it safe? This, this is my answer, not a definitive answer, but I, I would say, I mean, there's that saying, safety in numbers. It's that sense that actually, we're, when we're working together um, collaboratively, that actually we take collective responsibility. 
we stand or fall together. And, and what's been really lovely is that when um, members of the local ministry team who perhaps have felt a bit anxious about doing a particular presentation or, or preaching or whatever, it's been great because most of the other members of the local ministry team have been there amongst the congregation cheering them on uh, metaphorically. And, and, and there's been that real sense of um, sharing. And, and as, as we grow and, and develop our, the things that we do, I think we've gained in confidence uh, and through the encouragement of others. But it's also about when we get together as a team, creating uh, an opportunity uh, of trust where we can actually reflect honestly and we can also say, actually, that didn't go so well or, or we, next time we do that, we do it a different way or, wow, that was amazing, gosh, you know. And it, it's just about knowing that we're, we're there together, we can share those things and there is an element of confidentiality about some of our discussion. It's not being leaked out all over. That That's part of my response to what you're saying. Um, I, the reason I said that the local ministry team was a place to be in a safe zone is um, when you pray out loud with a bunch of people, it's really quite freaky to hear your voice. You know, it's like, oh, do I really sound like that? Uh, but to, to be in a group... It is um, you gain confidence, and um, also speaking in a, like a discussion group. Because I hadn't really done much of that, you know, very much of that, and um, I needed to sort of practice like listening when someone's talking, and then responding, and that sort of thing. So that's really what I meant by being in a safe zone, and, and sort of like I've got an idea. What do you think about that? And then you know, you you sort of like. You get a, like a good response, or like people just aren't listening; they're not very interested, and so you get that. Um, you learn the confidence of having an idea. It's like, what do you think about this? And everyone, everyone going, nah, don't like that idea. So it's like you think, ooh, ooh. So you know, you can feel a bit sort of deflated, but then you learn that actually, yeah, they're right. And my enthusiasm was like good, but it just wasn't quite quite right at the time so that's what I meant it's not quite as eloquent <laughs> as Will's answer <laughs> but, that's, but that's how I feel yeah, thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> can I just add to that um, I've been thinking about that but it strikes me that ministry, that worship has changed so much in the last few years the, the way of the traditional way of perhaps preaching of, of, a, of, a, of a service in a church. I think the exciting thing in Redbourne is, with Will's encouragement, but generally the feeling of actually moving out of the church. And once you move out of the church, you need to bring in new gifts and new skills. And the strength of an LMT group is that they, as we tried to show, they have a preponderance of skills that, that in, in the area of um, PowerPoint presentation, someone is an expert in an area of pastoral work, somebody is an expert there is that sense that you can really offer your gift and you will be heard by all of you and it sort of breaks down any possible barriers or that there might have been between a, min a vicar and his flock 
I, I mean, Will is very generous in, in empowering all of us, but I think that this must be the way forward, that we recognise and, and respect each other's gifts. And that is creating a very safe space for which, for myself and others, we are enabled to go out and actually take the risks because we're coming from that very strong support and also knowing that our gifts are honoured and part of the body. Thank you. I want to have the last word. <laughs> so, thank, thank you for saying that, David. But it, it does sadden me that you have to feel grateful. That there is that, still that sense that um, actually that should be how it is. And you shouldn't need to feel grateful that I share in this ministry and, and, and want you to be involved in it. Um, so, you know, thank you. That's, that's great. There are very few things that are... Um, Banned or off, off topic, and there's one one particular phrase that we do not ever use in St Mary Redbourne in my time there, and it's that thing which we sometimes hear from time to time about churches who say we must get out into the community, and the minute you, you, we've all heard it, and the minute you say that, you've immediately said we're not the community. There's something different, you know, and and that is completely off 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 the uh, radar as far as we're concerned we are already a part of the community we just want to express it in new ways so, so I think a lot of parishes across the country would want to know then in both cases how you get to where you are in other words uh, not accidental uh, it's an incremental process it depends on attitudes of clergy, attitudes of laity, and what proportion of your churches get it? Do you think? Can, I, can I help, but possibly in one way? Um, Will, sorry. Um, Sorry, I'm part-time, part I'm sort of semi-retired, and uh, Will approached me to join the LMT, and I said, well, you know, I'm around sometimes and sometimes I'm not around. Uh, and the LMT's been great in uh, providing, I give them plenty of time uh, notice, and they've got my diary for the year, uh, of uh, absorbing me into it uh, and making sure that I can be involved and am involved. And I think that's the important thing, being as flexible as possible on both sides, um, but I think it was Rod who said, you know, you can't just um, jump in and out like an SAS guy or SBS, not like a definitely the SAS, but uh, you, you've got to be there the whole time and commit, provided you do commit to that time. It doesn't matter whether you're there the whole year or not, provided you make sure that when you're there, you're a very full member of the team. So, so I mean, how, did the, Sorry. how did the parish get into that paradigm work? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, mean, I think it's probably a better thing to have. Sorry. It's a very good question. Um, I, I probably ought to hold my hand up and say that I pushed quite hard the idea um, because it was a vision I've had for a long, long time and uh, something that I really believed in and do believe in um, that, that everyone has skills and, and gifts and talents. And as the, the first reading, uh, the reading that they used, Redbourne used, you know, it's just so evident to me that, that actually, um, you know, everyone is part of this ministry. So I was, I was actually saying that and, and trying to preach it and teach it and live it, um, you know, as much as possible to start with. And I think um, that, was, that was something that was very, very important. And I, I gradually realised that there were lots of, of other people 
um, not lots, but maybe one or two people in each parish that actually had similar vision. And I think that often happens when we pray and think about things. You know, gradually people come out of the, the sort of woodwork, as it were, and sort of say, well, actually, I've been thinking about that too. And I think that that began to build. And then it was a case of saying to the diocese, you know, now if we were to do this, how are we to do it? Please, will you help us to do it? And I have to say that um, nothing to do with Robin Brown or anybody else, really, but I did have to push quite hard for a while. And um, I wanted to push hard for a while because I started sort of um, looking after those parishes in 1996 and it took us till 2004 to get mandated. So it wasn't a swift thing really. And sometimes I thought, oh, you know, a frustration overcame. But I think through prayer and, and actually um, sharing the vision, I actually shared it when I was interviewed for the, for the post and I said, that's, that's how I see things. You know, I, I, are you with me or not sort of thing, really. And, um, and I think catching the, that uh, vision really was very important. Okay. I would endorse that entirely. I think that the, the work of um, teaching goes on. There are some people within the congregation at Redbourne who are very much on board and others who don't really still, even now, get what local ministry is. So I, I think it's an ongoing sort of process, really, and, and it must be. Uh, one of the, the approaches we found helpful is that because each of the ten members of our local ministry team heads up an area of work and then they're encouraged to go and find others, it's, it's a bit like a sort of... Um, a, pyramid it means that well there's one of me there's 10 local ministry team but actually um, Penny works with seven other people in terms of facilitating the small groups if each of the that's now 70 people involved in ministry and so it goes on and, and gradually it sort of infuses into every part of the life of our church I hope but it's it, it's, it will take time Two more. One. Poor lady at the back's been had her hand up for ages. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
uh, you've given us a huge amount of enthusiasm. Um, does that get out into the diocese? I don't know quite what I'm asking, but it's to do with that. Diocesan Synod have reports from different areas of the diocese or different ministries within the diocese. And I, along with one of our local ministry team who isn't here today, went and spoke to Diocesan Synod about it some years ago now. And I don't know whether that had any spin off. But it is, you, you can't force it. It's the same as getting people into the local ministry team. You might think there are 23 other people within the group who would be brilliant. But every time you see them and speak to them about it, they've either bought a car, bought a house, got married, just bought some cows, there's a few other ones that they don't find and they look at, and it doesn't... It's hope and prayer, really. Um, and so we have tried, I think, as local ministry teams, to get the... Uh, uh, Jeanette tried uh, to get the message out further. But... They have ears but here, not really. And then some don't think it's for them, genuinely. They don't want to get involved for whatever reason. Um, I mean, in the Church of England, we have got a bit further. I mean, but of course, we've got to think that it's taken us 2,000 years to get here. <laughs> so, you know, getting a bit further is difficult. Oh yeah, we, we, we actually went and spoke to, to Luton Deanery Synod. They, in some of the churches in Luton, they have a, one of them particularly has a brilliant idea, in, which everybody else probably has, and I have not heard of it because I'm stupid. Um, and they have a sort of ministry day or something. It's, it's a single parish benefice. So they, they then have a, a day when they talk about ministry within the church, and after the morning service, they have set up in the church hall different booths, different tents of church ministry. So there'll be the choir, there'll be the flower arrangers, there'll be the church cleaners, there'll be the, the pastoral visitors, the whatevers, all the way around the Sunday club and all the way around. And you can go along and you can do a bit of flower arranging. You can see if you can sing with the choir. And you can see what that ministry is like and is about. And you can either opt into it, it's before the annual church meeting they do it, or you can resign from it. If you've been doing that for yonks and you think, no, actually, I, I don't want to be um, in the choir anymore, but I would like to be a Sunday club helper and I feel I'm called towards that, then you can change other things. And they did this within the deanery, and, and had a sort of ministry evening, where various people came along and talked about ministry within their churches. And Linda, Pauline and I uh, went along and spoke to the deanery synod about this. And then there were groups that were facilitated. On a, on a slightly side issue, it was hilariously funny. In that, it was a forwarding faith church. And we arrived a bit late, because it was in the bit of loot and I didn't know. And I knew it was a forwarding faith church. The two ladies had gone to the loo at the time I discovered this. Then we went in together and sat down and the meeting went on. And Robin Brown, Jeanette's predecessor, said to Paulie, oh Paulie, I'd like you to come and facilitate this group. Now in Luton Deanery, because there are several forwarding faith churches, the deanery works in clusters. So there's a rural cluster, there's a town cluster, and there's a forwarding faith cluster. And guess where he put Paulie? <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the ladies there said, she was church warden. Local ministry teams, and we had a good discussion. Yeah. She said, my name's Paulie, said this other lady, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm forward in faith. And my wife said, of course, but my name's Paulie, and I'm not forward in faith. Do you want to say a quick one? Do you want to say a quick one?
very briefly. I, I think the existing local ministry teams have a really important part to play. Um, we do get questions and inquiries from time to time from parishes. Um, we've just in the last few days, uh, the rest of the team don't know this because we've been focusing on, on today, but um, we've, we've had an inquiry from another church in the deanery who'd like to come, uh, would like a couple of the members of the team to go and talk to their PCC. And that would be really good to, to go and do that. And I, th I think if we can sort of just say, this is what we've done, no one size fits all, and so on. Um, I, I remain, uh, this, this isn't a question on the sheet, but I remain convinced that local ministry um, is um, immune to church tradition. Um, in other words, it doesn't matter whether you're an evangelical church or um, very traditional Anglo-Catholic um, church. I, I would argue that local ministry has a part to play. I don't know how others would feel. And I'm certainly, in terms of answering your question, using folk like this as ambassadors has got to be a way ahead. The other teams that aren't here today function very differently, but they would all all be equally enthusiastic in their own way, talking about how, how it is within their diocese, um, their parishes or benefices. And I think that's got to be the way to, as part of, we would, we've been talking a lot today about communicating and how, how we recognise what's going on at diocesan level and getting it down. Well, this is about how it is and getting it around. And maybe that's, that's a different model. I'm aware we, we've, we're five minutes over our end time, so I guess we ought to finish. Um, there will be time tomorrow, I think, for questions and answers, so maybe I'm still around. There's also Jeff Mercer, who is actually the team consultant to Red Horse. So he's here permanently, if you like. And Andrea, who doesn't actually have a team at the moment, but is one of the LMT consultants. Um, so there are two others who know about St. Albans team a little bit and might be able, might be able to catch up with them. But a big, huge thank you from me to Red Boy and Hartford. I need to turn around to, to look and see what your reaction is. Um, and a great thank you to Jeanette and to everyone here from Redbourne and Hundred. It was really, truly a great experience for us, for your energy and your enthusiasm and the excitement that you've generated. It's been really, really good. That reality check, what it actually is like. And you haven't actually made it sound too easy. I think today we might have been heading for the scenario where we thought if only the disciples could do this and if only bishops did that and if only the training was such and such, we could have teams and it would be great. And it would be great, but it's not easy and it takes time. And you've, you've taught us that and many other things. So thank you so much. Thank you.